Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, the long-awaited awards pod here. A little bit late, uh, March 6th, but this is our monthly catch-up on where we see the awards through the NBA season. A lot of interesting stuff to get to. A lot of players uh, are surging. We've had some injuries uh, as well. Be interesting to see how much things uh, have changed. So, Danny, why don't we get started here? Who is your MVP through this point of the season? And just as one other point of clarification, these are not predictions on where it's going to go from here or anything like that it is if the season ended and i do mine rigidly on the end of that month what it would have what it would be at that point using our own criteria and for mvp a lot of guys i think this is more about players ascending rather than i still i i have harden number one i had Giannis before but harden he's played a little bit more gotten that balance and he's having just a spectacular year i mean offensively it's not only that he's been incredibly efficient but he has been a huge part of houston's offense houston's offense has been spectacular 115.8 so 116 offensive rating with him on the floor 7.4 point difference in offensive rating and remember they have a fabulous bench because Chris Paul often plays when Harden does not so I had him one Giannis who for those who remember was a surprise I had him first at the end of January just I, I don't think he was as good and now the the minute differential has narrowed with time but then the people that really rose into this and I have them at three and four I don't usually go that deep but I, I felt like I needed to this time. Jimmy Butler is a different kind of case because he's not, uh, he hasn't had like a, as outstanding a season as those guys. You know, you could look at, at PER effectiveness as an offensive player, but you see the proof in the pudding with how the Wolves have struggled without him. And I think that's an important difference in terms of value. And he played a crap ton of minutes when he was still healthy. And at the end of February, he had still played a ton of minutes. And then Anthony Davis, Western Conference Player of the Month. We talked about that in the 15 and 60, 28-8 PER. 616 true shooting, 27 usage. And his case is actually strangely similar to Giannis's in that they're both very important parts of their offense, but bringing defensive value as well. And they have supporting talent, but they are really clearly the best players on their team. So I think that's by one through four. LeBron is close. And Steph Curry, if it were a per minute award, would be close too, but it's not. So he's not. Harden, number two in the league in RPM behind his teammate, Chris Paul, leads the league 7.47 off of rpm steph curry is second he is my choice as well and a very easy one if you need it even more tim mcmahon wrote a good piece today with help from micah adams at espn on how good harden overall has been in the clutch although interesting to watch here that when harden plays with paul in the clutch he plays a lot better than without and last year he was not as good in the clutch 
so that's that's going to be a very one of the most important themes going forward is how good is James Harden in the clutch because you know they're giving it to him every single time uh he and Chris Paul and he's probably going to end up isoing off of a pick and roll switch nearly every single time uh, number two for me uh, was a little bit more difficult uh Giannis and AD definitely lower in the RPM specifically the offensive RPM and they are 10th and 12th overall uh, I agree with you Steph Curry would be up there uh, for me as well LeBron has turned it around a little bit after that rancid January but uh, between him AD uh, and Giannis uh, it's very close probably would still uh, have Giannis second um, I think we've fallen into a little bit of recency bias here with AD and I also the issue his inconsistency it's almost actually more useful now because he'll have these and he's had a lot of games where he's blown up lately uh to be sure but you know he'll have these games where he totally disappears he has the highest variance uh, of any NBA superstar at least the last time uh, that I saw someone write about that but now that the team has less talent around him those games where he blows up push them to victory and they're probably going to lose the games where he was just going to be pretty ordinary anyway uh, as opposed to before when they had a little bit more talent when you'd get a disappointing game you know when they're favored in more games when you get a disappointing game then that brings you below what your baseline should expect so i think actually the worse the team is kind of the more useful in terms of winning games his talents uh, can be but yeah I, I would have ad third uh, right now lebron fourth but really Giannis, lebron ad it could be in any order butler just not quite at the the level for me uh, as a score uh, as a first option and now of course he, he's gonna miss uh, the next month and, and really fall out of this uh anything you want to react to there or, or shall we uh move on a couple small things one that's always a challenge with this is I, I look and I, I write this down. I call it differential. So it's basically the, the net rating difference when a player is on versus off. The challenge with that is for a lot of these teams, those players are, their minutes are aligned with other really good players. And so especially if it's like that and a team has a bad bench. So so that can be kind of a factor in this. One thing I wanted to mention though with Jimmy, the reason why I had him third is because, or sorry, fourth behind, no, third behind Harden Giannis is also that when he's been on the floor, the Wolves have defended well. They have been, had an awful defensive season over overall as a team and part of that is because their second unit doesn't have much defense and I think Jimmy Butler is their best defensive player Taj is is solid as well Towns has his moments but I give him some credit for that and you see them fall off a lot defensively when he's not on the floor yeah part of that is uh, that opponent jump shooting luck uh, has been really bad for the Wolves when he's been off the floor and and better for them when he's been on certainly he he helps with that a little bit he helps with the volume but um that effect I think is overstated just a little bit Uh, Uh, although certainly still does exist all right we'll get to all nba in a second here first this from netsuite by oracle it's the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform if you've outgrown quickbooks if you're still using shared spreadsheets and these manual processes a bunch of old legacy systems netsuite can save you time money and those unneeded headaches by managing sales hr and finance and accounting instantly right from your desk or even on your phone you can use it as well netsuite is more affordable than you think and right now if you want to get started with them learn a little bit more about how netsuite works they're offering you valuable insights to help you overcome the obstacles that are holding you back free they've got this free guide which is useful even if you don't end up using netsuite crushing the five barriers to growth you can learn how to acquire new customers increase profits and finally get real visibility into your cash flow that's netsuite's guide crushing the five barriers 
barriers to growth go to netsuite.com slash cap space easy to remember that url we talk about cap space all the time on the program here netsuite.com slash cap space to download the free crushing the five barriers to growth guide today netsuite.com slash cap space let them know that you came from us so first team all nba harden obviously is going to be on there for both of us but i suspect that some of the other categories will be slightly more controversial here uh i don't think that necessarily any of the other four slots are just fait accompli uh, obvious at all here now agreed completely i shift for all nba more towards more out- most outstanding rather than most valuable so yeah. time played is less is less important and also you know like so jimmy butler i made the case where i had him high in mvp he's a lot lower here because it the thing like his the on off difference isn't as much like who's the who's the better player who's having the better season so my first team harden and then i think steph curry has been the second best guard in the league again going to outstanding instead of valuable helps him a lot let's let's talk about Steph for for a second i had him i had him as well i think it's easier here to go position by position to some degree lillard has really come on we talked about that i mean he he is if he keeps playing like this for the rest of the season you know he's gonna get close like harry we'll see what steph plays like the rest of the season having missed the month doesn't help him though like you i tend to gravitate a little bit more who to just who i think the better player is overall curry as of this writing i always say as of this writing because as of this speaking doesn't really seem to make much sense as of this uh, podcast not writing or recording as of this recording all right yeah that's what we'll use for now uh only played 48 games that's only seven less than harden though remember Harden had that hamstring injury as well and Giannis is is at 60 at the moment Lillard has played 57 it's only two more than Harden though I think Portland has played a couple more games overall Lillard has missed some time here as well and just in the modern day NBA you know 75 games is kind of the new 82 when you just consider rest and that teams are more cautious with injuries etc but Steph Curry he's still fifth in PER he has the better history of any of these players offensive RPM he was first through most of the year now he's still second in that and still has more gravity off ball than just about everyone i would love to see now a couple years removed from him being having to be the guy who creates all the time of just what he would look like you know if he were say on the blazers and trying to play that game that dame lillard played last night against the lakers that we recorded on that was just this unbelievable performance in the fourth quarter uh but and maybe he wouldn't be quite as effective there me if he was in a system where he had to just create his own shot but even going back to that in the mark jackson days which was basically that system he was still a, an extremely effective first team all nba type of player i thought that last year the gravity is just too much and then defensively compared to a lot of point guards i think he actually you know is a better help defender and team defender so he would still be it uh for me but you know i'm not going to completely foreclose the idea that lillard could pass him even though i still don't even have lillard as my second team guard either as of this moment but that that's uh foreshadowing i have him well do you want to just go through all the guards right now because i that's actually the way that i thought about this yeah yeah let, yeah maybe we could approach this a little bit differently yeah because we did so before and then we'll I just summarize the teams at the end yeah so where i ran into an issue i have chris paul as the third best guard in the league i have been a chris paul believer for a long time and yeah i think rpm over it overstates it for him by a meaningful margin for but he's been fabulous when he's played this year and it was weird you know doing the twitter nba show for one of his worst games this season but he's been great so i have him as the third best guard so far lillard i have as the last guy on the second team but the way i decided this it was a real challenge so i had lillard westbrook Kyrie, kemba and victor oladipo all 
fairly close. I mean, they're all within kind of the same band. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, well, there's one spot here, then two spots on the third team, and then two spots in the quote-unquote honorable mention. And I ended up going with Lillard because none of the other point guards were really generating, like, they. it's so weird this year that a lot of the best offenses have offensive engines that don't play the point guard position, but these guys are still incredibly important. So, like, the top 10 offenses, beyond, like, Indiana with their, Indiana, I mean, with Oladipo and Darren Collison and things like that, but I thought Lillard was the most important of those guys for his team's offensive success, and he's done a wonderful job. I feel better about that because I locked that in on March 1st before they played that day. Since then, I felt even better about it, but I have him there. Do you want to react to that, or do you want me to go through my whole thing? No, please go through the whole thing. Okay, so then I'm sitting there with Westbrook, Kyrie, Kemba, and Oladipo, and I ended up going well, so, with... So why, why is Lillard better than Kyrie to you right now? Because I, I, I've always been higher on Lillard than a lot of, of people, uh, but just looking at their overall season stats, I, I think it's still hard to construct an argument that he's been better than Irving o- over the course of the full season. I think that the reason for me is the degree of difficulty of what he's doing. I mean, Kyrie is in a more favorable circumstance. There are, you know, playing with Horford, I think, has really helped that. I think their system and... Yeah, the spacing look, that they have. I mean, even right. though they don't have, like, these awesome three-point shooters. I mean, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, like, those guys can shoot well enough. Horford... Uh, and Horford's such mentioned. a great glue guy. Imagine what Lillard right. could do if he had a center that could set screens, pop, and do and pass well out of, of the circumstances when he has it. And McCollum is great, but he's a different type. He's, he's not the same kind of collaborator that Horford is. And I like what Portland runs, but I just think, I think Boston gives them the advantages. And defensively, neither one of those guys is great, but I don't know. I, I, I think that that wasn't really a tiebreaker for any of these players, which was also weird because none of them, I mean, Oladipo and Westbrook came in as hype defensive talents. I don't think either one of those guys is adding too much on that end. And then Kemba, yeah. Kyrie. Oladipo at least is getting a lot of steals. I mean, I think sure. he's taken some steps forward this yeah, year. He, he's better than he's been, but it's not really his, his adding much to his numbers, value. His defensive numbers, in, in, as far as RPM are outstanding, although some of that oh, okay. could be the box score prior. He's, I think he's got like hmm. a plus two, plus 2.64. Wow. Defensive I didn't RPM, realize it was that high. Which, and considering most guards are actually below zero in that stat, I mean, that is remarkable. I mean, it's something to look into a little bit more. I'm not going to put that much stock in it, especially because you know you look at who some of his backups are as well. But in any event, yeah. So so you've got Lillard. Who is your other your other uh, second team guard? Chris again? Paul. Chris Paul. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really you're really just splitting hairs between all these guys. Ugh. For me, uh, I had Irving, uh, who is going to miss some more time here potentially this week uh, as a guy who's played a, a few more games. The Celtics have still been really good. They've still been totally good offensively when he's been on the floor. Uh, and you know, I, I agree that he's trending down. Also, you have to throw in his clutch performance as well to some degree. Again, not as important to me in All NBA, but still matters. Uh, I think he's been the best of these guys there. So I had Irving and then Jimmy Butler as my two uh, second team All NBA guards. I know you had Butler as a forward. I, I out of stubbornness, I'm sticking with him as a guard. But I, I think that's really how he's introduced and how he's he's probably been seen as more of a shooting guard than a small forward these last few years, just because that's the the position he's been listed at even though we all know he can play small forward just fine and his skill sets a little bit more as a small forward um but yeah and then you throw in chris paul chris paul and lillard to me uh were on the third team but i mean we could see to me any of these guys being on second team and maybe even lillard just because he's been so nuclear this last 20 games or so if 
he just continues to play with that for another 20 games you know he could even surpass Steph to me but I still think over the entire course of the season Irving and Butler uh their body of work is just a little bit better to me than uh Chris Paul and Lillard but it is extremely close right I had one more guard spot because I have Jimmy Butler as a forward and yes of course he makes one of my LNBA teams and so I gave that spot to Russell Westbrook over Kemba and Oladipo he has been very important to Oklahoma City's offense so far and his defensive rebounding does provide some value it's overstated but it it does help there and Kemba is to a degree sabotaged by his bench I think he's closer to all NBA for me than he will be for other people which is a shame because he deserves consideration heavy consideration as does Oladipo but I think Russ has just been slightly better and while I don't factor it in as much as you do the idea of him just Russell Westbrook's previous success and the idea of kind of where that's going it, it was a little bit I wouldn't say it was even a tiebreaker but I did have in the back of my mind DeMar DeRozan is the other guy who probably at least yeah. needs to be oh yeah absolutely I, I should have mentioned here. him too uh but he's dropped off a little bit he's basically now back to league average in true shooting percentage he's got that 29 percent usage uh, people know this about him but his ability to avoid turnovers is really impressive adding the three ball is good but in terms of if you look at some of the stats DeRozan is 25th in PR this year though that includes a lot of short minute guys so if you wanted to do it in, in terms of guys who are actually candidates here he would be a, a lot higher uh, on that list but is not even in the top 40 uh, in rpm right now and so it's still difficult to put him into quite the same category as the guys who are great both in the box score and in the on-off stuff it'll also be hard for him to move much higher in rpm considering the raptors last time i checked had a higher net rating when he was off the floor than when he was on the floor and yes, yes. they have that but that crazy bench lineup that has the league's best net rating of any lineup that has played more than 150 minutes or whatever it was is is a big part of that but you know that that factors in with rpm for sure so let's let's go on to the forwards there's a lot of a lot of balance and challenges and everything here yeah there is and especially with the positions uh, as well uh because you know are you going to have ad as a forward or or as the center i think he's playing more center now he's probably playing 80 percent if not more of his minutes at center they're giving Emeka okafor the keith bogans but then okafor was out so they actually finally bit the bullet and started ad at center just because they have nobody else would have to be check diallo otherwise we actually diallo has actually looked okay at times but uh probably not someone that you want starting uh but i still had ad as a forward and so ad kevin durant lebron james and Giannis are, are really all pretty neck and neck i have durant a little bit below uh his defense i mean it's crazy that he's getting that defensive player of the year buzz he actually has a negative defensive rpm this year i think when he locks in he can be pretty good but i i don't think he's been a huge plus for the warriors on defense this year and while he is a a very scalable player in terms of his ability to play off the ball he doesn't have the same type of creation responsibilities not the same type of passer that he was in Oklahoma City and he certainly fits into the Warriors system well but then when you also look at their offense when Steph has been out you know he has not been able to push them to that same degree so he's a little bit below those guys in my opinion and so then it becomes between LeBron Giannis and AD you've got two spots there for first team all BA forward is that how you saw it also that is how I saw it and at this point I gave those spots to Giannis and AD I think they've been better than LeBron overall this season and that was surprising to me I wasn't expecting to come in with both LeBron and Durant not on the first team but those guys have been better and I'm not going to use that sort of history stuff for them and and it's so close that we could see it go in a different direction in I guess that'd be April when we end up doing that but yeah I'm not quite I'm not quite ready to take uh the second best player of all time and 
Man, the player that I think still most people would say is the best player in the NBA until we really see somebody else. Yeah, somebody else outplay him in the playoffs. I realize he hasn't had that great of a season, uh, and maybe this could be the beginning of the drop off for him. This is the first time really he's been way negative in defensive RPM. The fact that they've been worse with him off the floor. That's all concerning, but I'm just, I'm not ready to do it yet to take him off for Seam All NBA. The reason I did it is because of this argument. I I don't know if Bill Simmons had this first, but I, I do find this very persuasive, which is when you're telling the story of this season on the positive way, who are you telling that story about? And for me, Giannis, especially in the early part of this season, is is woven into the fabric. And AD at this point, and LeBron has had a good year overall, but it hasn't been definitive. And yes, his team is yeah, probably well, going to end up except third in when the they Eastern won Cup. sixteen out of seventeen games, and he looked yeah. awesome then. But yeah, yeah, I, mean, I guess it, I, I realized it was so bad in January. Like, oh really, my god, he was bad. Like, yeah, but, yeah, you're right. You're right about the sixteen and seventeen. I should have, I should have given more credit to that. But and he's been awesome in the clutch this year too. I think better sure. than, than either of those two guys. Although AD, the Pelicans, they've, they've had to play a lot of it, games. and yeah. they've had to play a lot of it, and the Pelicans have had to recently, and they've done very well as well. Yeah. So yeah, that I, was. I there. totally understand your your point. I, I'm just, I'm not there yet. I mean, I realize that. I mean, these are three three of the top four guys in the NBA in PER. Uh, AD and Giannis are twelfth and tenth in RPM respectively. LeBron all the way down at twentieth. But if you look at offensive RPM, LeBron is way above those guys. Uh, and I, I still think that offense is more important than, than defense. LeBron still is the fourth best offensive RPM in the NBA, and Giannis and NAD, those guys are down at twentieth and below. I don't know why I'm setting this arbitrary limit on myself, but I've set the line that if Davis plays 45% or more of his minutes at center on the using cleaning the glasses differentiation at the end of the year, I'm going to count him as a center. And if it's less than that, I'm not comfortable because to me, if it's 60, 40 or something in that range, I just, I just can't count a guy as a center if it, if that's the disparity. And in his circumstance, I think it's completely fair with how they're, how they're doing it. I mean, he's the four when they're playing with cousins, though he sometimes has those defensive responsibilities and with Okafor, he's obviously the four as well. So I think that's reasonably fair so 45 percent is my line if it's at 44 and he's really better than joel Embiid, i'm not gonna guarantee it that's why i'm not i'm not binding myself to this but that is pretty much where it is third team for my forwards i had paul george uh who has been coming on lately at least offensively although their defense as we'll get to has certainly been troubling of late that's not his fault though uh but he also hasn't been able to improve them totally and, and neither has he been able to do that in indiana the last couple of years either but you know the surrounding talent is not amazing and then uh, my other one because i did not have jimmy butler uh, on my uh, as a forward uh, i still stuck with al horford although he's been slumping a little bit of late but there's just really who else is it gonna be it would have to be draymond green it would have to be ben simmons who you know is still uh, pretty good i mean those would probably be your other two forwards if you want to count simmons as a forward then you're going down to like blake griffin and kevin love type of levels the depth at, at forward is not what it used to be back uh, in the golden era when there are all these awesome power forwards for example and and the small forward position has probably less depth than anything else and, and we're really missing Kawhi Leonard this year as well at the small forward position we are and remember early in the season when I think it was the first awards we did the guards were really weak and we both said this is going to get a lot better and then it, it absolutely uh, yeah. did I mean that that's not a surprise but what so mine I had I had Durant over Butler I even though I had it the other way for MVP I think Durant's been more outstanding Butler's been more valuable and then my last spot went to Paul George I think he's clearly the sixth best according to my stuff i think he's been well been fabulous offensively this month he's been solid overall and then defensively he's provided a lot of value too so i had him there center again definitional problems are important here i counted both lamarcus 
Aldridge and Al Horford as centers and would be if it were coming down to a spot I would actually be okay with fudging one or both of those if the center like if let's say Davis moves to center depending on how it shakes out I might be okay with that just because they're on the borderline I mean Aldridge and both those guys often don't start at center so you could make that argument I think Embiid has been the best of the trio those are my three by the way I I think Embiid has been the best so far so I have him first team I'm going to talk about him more in a different category a little bit so I'll save most of that for there Aldridge second team I believe I had that last month as well defensive value and he's been so important offensively for the Spurs this year without Kawhi I think that's he to a point it's been underappreciated though as the Spurs keep falling even though some of that has come without him on the floor and then Horford I just the two-way player idea he's been so important for Boston's defense he does help their offense sing there is this big disparity where their offense goes off the table when Kyrie's off the floor but a lot of that is because their minutes are connected with Al Horford so I had those guys over Towns and Jokic who I think are the next two and they're both having wonderful years but at the center position I lean more towards defense than offense and I think Horford and Aldridge have been better defensively than Towns and Jokic. Yeah I had Aldridge first still but I would imagine after next month especially since Aldridge had that sprained ankle and it didn't play well in his first game back it could take him a while to get back into that the Spurs are kind of in free fall here also so he's still my first team center just based on volume over Embiid one thing that's a difference between those two guys that's a massive advantage for Aldridge though is turnover rate Embiid turns it over on 14 percent of his possessions he's a and when you have a 31 percent usage that's a, a lot of turnovers whereas Aldridge he is the lowest turnover rate 6.4 percent of his possessions end in a turnover which is absolutely remarkable there's a lot of guys with phenomenally low turnover rates this year too I mean Kyrie is a percent ad never turns it over he's eight percent uh jimmy butler is only 7.2 percent turnover rate uh derosa never turns it over kemba walker is incredibly low in that as well but aldridge is the lowest of, of any player in the top 30 in per is the lowest turnover rate uh and so to have it be less than half impede is uh underrated but again i mean for all those guys too it's really close uh Embiid was my second team and then i actually since i didn't have horford although even even if he were as a center i probably would have towns over him at this point but uh carl towns was my third team center and rudy gobert i just really wish he had played a few more games because you know he would he would be right up there for me as well at least for third team all nba center and and just what they've been doing defensively with him on the floor has been incredible since he returned from injury so should we go through just a, our first team first second and third team since that might have been a little confusing here yeah let's let's do let's do it like so first team i go you go then second team I go you go that let's do it that way so my first team Harden Curry Giannis Davis Embiid yeah I had Steph James Harden LeBron Giannis and LaMarcus Aldridge and then my second team Irving and Jimmy Butler at the guards Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis at forward and Joel Embiid at center I had Chris Paul Damian Lillard LeBron James Kevin Durant LaMarcus Aldridge and then my third team Russell Westbrook Kyrie Irving Jimmy Butler Paul George Al Horford yeah and for me Paul and Lillard on the guard line George and Al Horford at forward and then Carl Towns at center so let's talk defensive player of the year now you alluded to it uh Joel Embiid is yours I am guessing and he would be mine as well Philadelphia has it they're allowing less than a point per possession with Embiid on the floor 106.3 with him off the floor big difference in shots at the rim proportion and success 26 percent versus 30 percent which is a huge difference in the restricted area and making 59.5 percent with him on and 65.1 with him off and they have Amir Johnson and Rashawn Holmes so you would hope that that would number would be actually a little bit better than that and his 
percent opponent field goal percentage at the rim is it's not best in the league it's behind a couple of guys Porzingis actually Jakob Pertl surprisingly enough is is on that list but you know he is the best defender of that group and I would love to see Gobert you know like if he had theoretically played more it would have been a more interesting discussion Rudy Gobert to me has not played enough at this point probably will not have played enough at the end of the season to be to be a, a worthy of winning this award in my eyes yeah Gobert has just been so incredibly outstanding and there's not really a great second candidate behind Embiid so he would actually be second for me now that's a little anticipatory he's only played 38 games uh but again they're really I mean Draymond has fallen off we talked about this last month his advanced stats are not good uh compared to where he's been so he's not really in the conversation even Horford well he plays a lot of minutes with Kyrie and he's got to prop him up a little bit uh there's still not really any better when he's off the floor than when he's on he's a very solid defensive player but you know not a game changing you know he's good at denying penetration he can move his feet but he's not just hey we cannot challenge this guy but defensive player of the year we've talked about this before how the absolute best offenses in the nba have solutions for these kind of you just can't score on them at the rim type of big men but you know 27 of the teams 25 of the teams in the nba don't have a solution and this is a regular season award you want to do coach of the year now yeah i still had brad stevens uh although the celtics have continued to fall off a little bit after that hot start but uh they've had a reasonable amount of injury concerns also the train keeps right on rolling though for them and then Dwayne Casey was my number two I moved Greg Popovich down uh, again with some of these recent struggles uh, for the Spurs others receiving votes for me Nate McMillan Terry Stotts Quinn Snyder uh, and Doc Rivers uh, at this point but that's my top three is Stevens Casey and Popovich but uh, I if the Spurs continue to really founder then I could see Popovich falling out of this uh, entirely uh, because you know they're they're kind of getting to the point now where the whole argument for him was wow like if you had to predict how they'd be before the season without Kawhi Leonard look where they're at uh they're so much better but if they're not really if they're gonna finish only you know 10 games over 500 this year or even less than that it's kind of you know about maybe what you would have expected without Kawhi maybe 15 games worse where you'd see them with Kawhi for the whole season as, as a 60 win type of team I actually still have pop one but that was because I did it on March 1st and as <laughs> they keep on shifting on this I'm moving and I have I have Casey second as well but I could very well I, a I see Casey winning the award that's not relevant necessarily what we're doing but I wanted to mention it and what I like so much about you, th- his you job, think Casey will win it over Brad Stevens I do I do think Casey <sighs> it will win seems it like like the Celtics just get so much more attention and also the other thing too is like while it is a one season award I, I think especially in recent years that you know we don't have the like Sam Mitchell coach of the year one season blip kind of a, a awards anymore just like oh who well, what about Budenholzer I mean they had a couple of years but yeah, Budenholzer yeah winning but, it I mean, over he, Kirk. he came out of that oh yeah but I mean but that's like yeah that that, that wouldn't have been much but uh, nonetheless Budenholzer I think that's is, what's is, gonna happen this year but yeah. Stevens yeah it could be it's not a lifetime achievement award because he's so damn young but a like hey he's been one of the best coaches in the league for the last three years and so might as well give him this yeah. one I, I would I would be totally fine with Stevens winning it but what, what Casey has done that I love is they've changed so much about this team without changing much of the personnel and that is a really really hard thing to do we don't see it very often and it is yeah. taken for the most part you know the, the and it's you know, demar Derozan is has changed his offensive game they're moving the ball better and they've been able to cultivate these young players yeah. to make and, a bench Pascal and getting Siakam. them getting them to defend oh yeah. without you know if you if you just looked at their roster it was young guys they didn't have i mean maybe serge Ibaka, but you know he's on the downside now they didn't have just this group of awesome established defense 
defensive players that you're looking at it and they've been a top five defense this year so that's very impressive but i just think like brad stevens he hasn't won one yet he's been considered one of the top coaches for a long time and there's just been so much more media attention on boston than toronto unfairly despite toronto's vastly superior season at this point uh okay biggest surprise team and biggest surprise player uh, i'll stick with my from last month i have the boston celtics still as the the biggest surprise team without gordon hayward uh although the indiana pacers are now 10 games over 500 i mean they are closing fast in this and then uh that dovetails with my biggest surprise player that is victor oladipo uh and i really don't think anyone else is even close to oladipo in that category though please correct me if you think i'm wrong on that i do not think you're wrong i have oladipo i don't even have any honorable mentions there and my biggest surprise team i have the pacers and celtics honorable mention there is the raptors because the change that they made to get to be a 60 win team and to be one of the best teams in the league like this is we had them at like 45 46 wins right we we thought there's no way they're going to be better in the regular season this year than they've been the last couple of years like this is the equivalent of going from being an all-star to being like second or first team all nba and those those jumps don't happen very often for a team like the raptors that didn't turn over very much and i I was impressed with that you know indiana they've their offense they've been making a bunch of shots i i'm impressed with them what they've done for sure but that is toronto a team that we thought you know was like oh they're gonna you know they'll win maybe like high 40s and then they'll get they'll lose disappointingly in the playoffs it's like oh no they're the third best team in the nba right now yeah actually my second probably and and this is tough to do for a rookie but I mean, Donovan Mitchell would probably be my second biggest surprise just as a guy who's drafted number 13 to be doing this. Uh, you know, granted, I, he got some buzz from Mike Schmitz, who deserves a, a, a ton of credit there for picking him for rookie of the year before the start of the season. I thought he was completely insane. And uh, apparently uh, I was way wrong uh, on that one. Well, so uh, did you know that but, David Locke said on he said on Real GM Radio before the year when we did the capsule preview that he's predicted Donovan Mitchell was going to score 15 points a game? And I said you're completely insane but uh, there was an opportunity issue there originally because they had you know rubio and hood and, and all these other guys in front of him yeah but to do that and then what i said to him after that was if he gets 15 points gets 15 points a game he's gonna be in the conversation for rookie of the year and i meant that more as like kind of like he's not gonna do that he's not gonna be rookie of the year and that ended up being like it ended up being right in a different way it was funny yeah that's pretty remarkable i i think i mean if if i had to say some others other than mitchell spencer dinwiddie fred van vliet Tyreek Evans even though you know he's kind of been lost in the shuffle here with this injury and somehow not getting traded uh big point biggest disappointing team and player biggest disappointing team was actually a, a really big challenge for me because so many of the teams that have disappointed has been due to injuries and I don't count that that's not fair you know if a, if a player like Mike Conley being out for the year yeah Memphis has been bad but Mike Conley's been out so that's not a big deal so the team I went with is probably going to make the playoffs but Miami I expected if they were as healthy as they've been that they would be a real you know the idea with them was always like oh if they're healthy they'll be very good but they haven't had that kind of luck and they haven't been perfect i mean waiters has been budget time but he is more replaceable than a lot of the other guys that they have and they're you know probably going to be one of the bottom right now it looks like they're going to be one of the bottom two seeds in the east and that is disappointing it's not nearly as disappointing as you could pick in a lot of other years but there just aren't the same kind of candidates for me and i'm interested to see if you have a, a very different opinion because you very well could i just couldn't think of a good example for the biggest disappointing team you're saying yeah uh how about the cleveland cavaliers like how are the how are they any less disappointing than they were last month uh i mean they've come on a yeah. little bit after the trip i mean like they're if you said before the season that the Cavs, i mean they're projected to be fourth in the east right now and they're only and, fourth in the east and their defensive 
relationship problems might not be fixable. Yeah. That's the other. That's the reason I think you can make a good yeah. argument with them is is this idea that they're they even if they had just LeBron sat games, which he hasn't really done. If if there were circumstances where I could have seen them getting a lower seed, but this way that it happened, that's a good point. Yeah, Cleveland's a good call. I'll I'll I'll, I'll say Cleveland is. Yeah, that's true. I guess I've gotten so used to it <laughs> that I, it's not <laughs> it's not as disappointing now. Which is funny because the same thing is true for my most disappointing player and it, i just haven't gotten used to it because it just pisses me off still well and and consider that their point differential for the season is like pretty much even you know i mean that's a, they've you can say they've gotten lucky or you could say it was it's lebron james being awesome but they've well outperformed their point differential in terms of the actual wins this year so fundamentally they you can argue they've even been worse than their record and then dovetailing with that even though he's not on the team anymore is jay crowder uh quietly crowder in his first time with the jazz here has been just as bad as he was with cleveland i haven't been that locked in on what his defense has looked like since he's gone there but offensively 7.6 pr shooting only 30 percent from three with the jazz so i mean he he's still the guy for me i thought he really was like a quality quality starter on a great contract coming in the season and just uh it's really been a disappointment uh even if there have been some extenuating circumstances personally for him there uh who is your most disappointing player andrew wiggins wiggins came into this season with the golden opportunity of finally fitting into his spot offensively next to Jimmy Butler, wonderful player, and Carl Anthony Towns rising offensive star, bare minimum, probably two-way star eventually, or at least one and a half way. He had, so so it's like, okay, he's going to take fewer shots. He can excise some of the bad things in the rotation. And, and also defensively, the idea of playing the second best perimeter player as opposed to the best guy and not having that on his plate. It's like, okay, this is, this is the opportunity for him to show it. This has been his worst offensive season as a professional player he is really he's actually low, worse than his rookie year his lowest true shooting percentage 0.51 as opposed to 0.517 so lowest yeah, there in a higher offense era now too by in way. a higher offense era his three-point attempt rate with has, way has, more talent around him i mean that's crazy right it's crazy and and his usage is way lower than last year but actually higher than that rookie year lowest assist rate which is a problem when you consider the surrounding talent that he has now and his defense has not been good and so that's why it's disappointing to me was that he his situation changed for the better and he has not been able to even just take advantage of that much less grow with it yeah it's it's a concern although i mean it's not as disappointing for me personally because i never thought he was that good uh and he's got a chance to get out of that category now because uh, he's gonna have all he can eat offensively with jimmy butler out although even even then i would say hey maybe they should give a few more shots to jeff t but he's been a little more efficient uh but these this next stretch for the wolves will be quite telling i we're gonna get to the rookie of the year in the moment but uh first thing why don't you tell people about uh, our patreon since we don't have a, a second ad today we can do an ad for ourselves the patreon is a great way to support the two of us in our various endeavors we like to think of it as a great way to support the twitter nba show in particular because it is not sponsored at the moment and we love doing it but it's a big time commitment for us you know it's basically a night where we're not watching many other games but we enjoy the process of interacting with everybody else and gaining the experience you know calling those games and and we will do it a lot for the playoffs but then it's not just a handout or something like that because we give a lot of special content if you if you get into the the level where we we put out material at least one mailbag podcast per month this month it'll actually be two because we still had the the holdover from the from the february one and danny's story time where i do audio versions of my pieces salary cap sheets and whatever else we can think of i mean that's part of what we're trying to do with this It it was a new venture when we started it and we keep on adding stuff that's how Danny's story time came about 
and a lot of these other things is just people saying, hey, this would be cool, or us thinking, hey, this would be cool. And so you can do that. Patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue is where you go for it. And it means a lot to us because it makes it makes the whole system more viable for us to keep doing exactly what we're doing. Yeah. And that latest mailbag pod that we did was a lot of fun. We talked about which team GM jobs we would like to have, rule changes we might want to see, fixing the age limit rules, best point forwards in NBA history. There's a, a lot of cool stuff that we talked about in that latest pod. All right. Now that we tease that, let's get to the real stuff. Rookie of the year, which maybe to me is the hardest on this board because at least on the all NBA stuff, you can kind of go back on what your impressions were of these guys coming into the season. There's a little bit more if you want to just say who, who's the best player. But man, I mean, this comparison between Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons is going to just go right down to the wire. What I love about it is that they're both incredibly important to their team and there are certain elements of it that are very similar, but they succeed in different ways. Ben Simmons for the season has taken 35 shots from 16 feet or further, which is incredible for a player who has the ball where he has the ball. And I bet you he's made less than 20% of those too. He is at 11 for 35. Oh, I guess I was wrong then. Okay. But zero for 10 from three. So <laughs> yeah, a lot. some of those are heaves, but yeah, I mean, there's, I, I don't think he's taken a single three that was like, oh, hey, I actually really want to take this one because I'm open type of three. Yeah, his shot chart is pretty bonkers, but he still is weird as, as scores because that's what true shooting percentage measures. He and Donovan Mitchell are, are almost identical, 55% for both of those guys, even though they shoot dramatically different shots and everything else like that. And both guys are better defensively than especially most rookies, but I mean, I think they're both providing value on that end. Mitchell has deed up a lot of talented guards over the over the year, and it, his role shifts based on who, who else is on the floor with him. And Simmons benefits a lot from being the number three big on it because they have Covington, who actually Covington bounces around a lot, so sometimes those things do fall to Simmons and Joel Embiid, the defensive player of the year. But he has done a wonderful job in the role that he has been given. So you have scoring, playmaking, and defense, and all of these guys have good cases for all three of those elements. Yeah, I, I think you can make the argument that Mitchell is the better defender, at least for what his role is and, and his, what he can do physically. But maybe Simmons is more valuable just to his ability to switch and really almost come pretty close to guarding five positions, if not necessarily at an elite level. Both these guys get plenty of steals. Uh, ben Simmons actually has blocked more shots than I would have thought this season. And probably the biggest, the, the two things in Mitchell's quiver turns it over way less than Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons turns it over on 19% of his possessions. That's pretty ugly. And that's something that's probably going to continue here because when the defense can just lay back, you really have to force the ball, whether off the dribble or through passes, into much tighter areas. Uh, they're still about equal in, in their efficiency, their true shooting percentage, but Mitchell's ability to space the floor is important. Simmons, though, his ability to get out and transition and create opportunities for his team that way. They both played nearly the same number of minutes. They've both played exactly 61 games. They're both 21 years old. They are both, I'd say, pretty darn close to the same level of prospects. You know, I think I said Simmons is a little bit better, but, you know, given the fact that Simmons, I think, will never really develop a quality jump shot, you still, that probably limits his upside. Maybe you could say that Mitchell is just a nuclear scorer, could have a slightly higher upside than Simmons. Like, I go back and forth on that as well, um, because I like to break ties in these by getting the guys who are the best long-term prospects, so you don't get these, like, you know, Malcolm Brogdon winning Rookie of the Year type of things that you're just going to look back on and be like, why the hell did that guy win Rookie of the Year when he, you know, ended up as his career was as kind of a fringe starter? Um, so, uh, and then in RPM, they're very similar as 
as well i guess simmons most of his improvement uh, over mitchell i shouldn't say improvement but his advantage over mitchell and rpm is on the defensive end mitchell actually has the higher offensive rpm just barely i'm going to go with ben simmons still but it really is anyone's game and we don't even know how these teams are, are gonna finish out either it is just so hard i, I and i mean i'm already second guessing myself but it just it's impossible to choose between these two guys right now i have simmons too and it's brutally close i think what was the tiebreaker for me is just the way that the sixers have needed his playmaking they have a lot of guys who can complete you know like reddick and i think reddick can create more than some people think by virtue of movement which is a, a form of shot creation it's a different type of thing than you know dribbling with the ball in your hands and getting a guy open but simmons has that responsibility the sixers have been very very good this year and he has been an important part of it the whole way so i think it's a certain way where i ended up with this was where kind of both guys are about the same level for outstanding was i think simmons has been slightly more valuable just by virtue of how his contribution has gone throughout the year but mitchell has been fabulous and it would surprise me if this ends up being anything other than close because i think the jazz are going to they're going to win some games late they'll they'll push into this and the sixers are already they're already in it so it's not it's not that sort of a concern for them and it's also not going to clarify because jason tatum has taken a step back this is not a big surprise yeah. and well, if you're going to move on before we talk about simmons or before we move on from simmons i just want to say that part of what makes this so difficult is that simmons himself is such a rare type of player mm-hmm. that it's really just hard to evaluate just how good he is on his own mitchell is someone who you know, he, he kind of does some more traditional things you can get a handle on him he's similar to other players whereas ben simmons it's really tough to know and, and i think even when we see how these guys play in the playoffs if it gets there especially simmons like that will be i think illuminating for me to see all right when teams really can lock in on this guy how effective can he be one other small data point i wanted to mention which i i if it is as close as i think it is i might go more into this rookie of the year question is that though they don't have great surrounding talent in those circumstances the sixers have only scored 101 points per 100 possessions with simmons on the floor and Embiid off and Embiid has been a a, a dominant force in both ways and i yeah. think those minutes often commingle with reddick so it's like well yeah simmons is a big part of their offense but maybe it is the beauty of these two guys and Embiid has been spectacular overall yeah. this season i, I had him as first team all nba so i i don't hold that against simmons as much just because i think up until very recently their second unit has been so screwed up offensively where they've mm-hmm. had to play mcconnell with them they've been playing two bigs with like booker and like rashawn holmes and amir johnson i mean they just you know covington is out so they don't i mean he's playing with just no shooting whatsoever around him and when he also can't shoot i mean that makes it really difficult uh so i think i i don't i think that really is more a product it, it could be that he can't do that much without him but i think it he's been placed in an impossible situation there third place i had jason tatum has fallen off but so have a lot of these other guys actually we talked on the patreon mailbag today about whether we believe in the rookie wall or not but still overall in the year 59 percent true shooting solid defensively i mean kyle kuzma is now below the league average for true shooting right around average in usage he's kind of seems to have really fallen off both in his role and his effectiveness and obviously is pretty bad on d he also is the worst net rating uh of any lakers player uh, who's really a major part of their rotation so i think it's clearly tatum at number three and then uh bogdan bogdanovich i think is closing on kuzma we'll see how it ends he could be in that fourth spot by the end of the season the other guy i want to mention is lowry markinen markinen has come on a little bit and he doesn't hasn't provided the defensive value that jason tatum has but i'm intrigued by his offensive capability and another thing just a small point to mention i'm surprised that markinen's rebound rate overall is actually or sorry his defensive rebound 
rate, not his overall. His defensive rebound rate is stronger than John Collins. And some of that could be because he sometimes, not anymore, but have played with Robin Lopez, who was more of a box out guy. And so that can lead to rebounds going to other players. But it, it just surprised me. So I wanted to mention it. Yeah. And I'd be interested to see what the on-off differential is between his rebounding when Lopez is and isn't on the floor. But going back to the rookies overall, and this is still a pretty darn good rookie class. Uh, but if you look at their overall, you know, whether it's RPM, whether it's PER, whether it's true shooting, I mean, other than kind of the limited center type of guys who just finish stuff and that's how they're efficient, really almost no efficient rookies whatsoever in this class. So a lot of these guys have dropped off a little bit. I mean, it's still it is a very solid class, but we're also got to keep in mind just that rookies are so often not really any good. Uh, sixth man, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on. It's obviously Lou Williams. Um, he still easily qualifies for the criteria. Tyreek Evans isn't eligible. I had Will Barton second. And then Julius Randle, who is temporarily eligible here, but has started 30 of 63 games. He's probably going to start the rest of the season, so he won't be eligible at the end of the year. Uh, he would probably be number three for me as of this point. Nikola Mirotic uh, hasn't been quite as on fire since going to New Orleans and hasn't any missed, you know, the first month and a half of the season. Lou Williams, this is the only word to me that basically if he didn't play the rest of the season, I still think Lou Williams deserves it. So oh, yeah. for first first time of, of any of these that, that that's definitely done. There are a lot of players that if you went went beyond three that I think would be would be eligible or capable or whatever. I had Barton second as well. And one guy that I want to mention, not as a sleeper to win the award because Lou Williams is going to win it, but to, even though he's doing it as a starter right now, which is always frustrating, Sadoransky's probably going to be eligible. And if he had played in the beginning of the season, would probably be in my top three. It's just that he didn't at the beginning. So I, I just want to mention him because he he, yeah. he could end up having a good showing on the ballot itself. Well, and usually we like to devolve away from the scorer is just, you can only be a six man of the year if you're some big high scoring guard off the bench. But uh, Luke, that hasn't been a banner year for those type of guys this year, but Luke and Mute and the difference in the Rockets defense when he plays it and when he doesn't is absolutely remarkable. Uh, ben Falk wrote a, a, about him and, you know, he's missed enough time and hasn't played that many minutes to where he can't really be in this conversation but he would have to be probably certainly not above lou williams who's having one of the better six-man seasons we've seen in a long long time this year um all right let's uh let's get to some of the more fun categories here dunk of the month it was not as good of a, a month for dunks because we had the all-star break and so just i disagree with that overall oh yeah mostly because the top two are spectacular but so before that i'll do my other two honorable mentions which were both notable in their own ways damian lillard's tip dunk on i can't remember what team that was but he had a, the he, sons, he, the sons. He, he went over the back like chris and bender or something it yeah, was that, that was, was bonkers awesome. and then the other one partially because of the impact and the surprise of it fallon Shunis's buzzer beater i thought oh, that was fantastic and, and it should have been an and one i don't know been. how that wasn't that absolutely was, should have been terrible. should have been a foul and so those two were my honorable mentions but then i have a clear number two and a clear number one number two which could have been number one in many other months and i actually got pissed off that nba.com's thing put it at third on under the levine dunk which was not nearly as good was jared allen on lowry markinen that was just nasty oh like, that's... what the hell was markinen thinking like he came over to try and take a charge he had no chance of getting there maybe if you jump 
jump you might have a chance although Allen was gonna probably dunk on him anyway but he like comes over he's not even outside the restricted area and tries to take a charge and just falls down and just gets trucked for the dunk that was just horrible and Jared Allen is uh he's had some nice dunks and he's been uh, a nice victim so he's uh he's uh, watching him in, in Nets games has been exciting he, he gets over and contests a lot of shots and he could very well be I think he'll be, I haven't gone through it all the way yet second team all rookie he's having a nice year I really like Jared Allen but number one and it's my dunk of the year to this point I don't even have to really go through everything the degree of difficulty on the Giannis alley-oop over 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 Tim Hardaway Jr. is incredible I mean we don't you don't see guys jump over other guys in NBA games very often and there's a reason for it because it is ludicrously hard and Giannis did it and it was so seamless that I didn't even necessarily notice it the first time I saw it I mean I've only ever seen it one other time on an alley-oop and that was the LeBron over John Lucas and John Lucas is 5'11 uh and Tim Hardaway is like 6'5 so yeah Giannis uh that that was just absolutely ridiculous I mean I still it was still kind of uncontested so I'm not sure if it's like I, I'm as high it, it was as uncontested because he had thing. to jump over a goddamn person <laughs> that counts yeah but but it's still like you know no, when no one is really like a, I, I what the best dunks to me are the ones that just like eviscerate the manhood of like someone who's just like trying to stop you like nancy and, over and hardaway Lopez. just hardaway yeah hardaway just like kind of happened to be there and like wasn't really in position to contest and Giannis just jumped over him you know it, it was more kind of like he, he was just like an unwitting prop uh, as opposed to the guy like marketing i mean not that the marketing dunk was better i had that as my number one this month too but i don't know if it would be my number one for the year uh th- that marketing one was just like you just like got knocked over like what are you doing like you know i i, I enjoy like there, there's more of a confrontational aspect uh to it another my number two actually for the was uh moxie kleba on julius oh Randall. that was glorious that i forgot about that dunk. i don't think that was in the nba montage it should have been that no, was well it was it was in the one that i did you just watch like their top 10 list yeah because that was that was actually my favorite beyond yeah. the difficulty i'd forgotten about that dunk i love that i think i talked about that one on the podcast because i watched that game and was no, just we so, so excited about it no it was with like you know it was, it gave like the mavs their first clutch win of the season seemingly uh but he came down the lane randall was there and i didn't see this until i saw like another angle of it as i rewatched it um and, and if you guys want to watch this just google like nba best dunks february and it, like it's the one that just has the montage of all of them and it doesn't rank them it's like a 10 minutes long uh that's like the one that i watched to remind myself every month uh but he came down i mean and it was almost like dominique style he went up with two hands and then he pulled it to the side and went around randall's arm and dunked it and that was like a minute 30 left in the game it was just awesome and especially just like you know whenever it's a white guy you have to give it a little bit more uh it's a little bit more enjoyable just because you know we're uh we are a uh jumping challenged race uh, unfortunately and while it is not a dunk i want to give a special mention because we never talked about it on the podcast to the the more disrespectful thing than any of the dunks this month james harden on west johnson which was just ludicrous and i just wanted to mention it as like a that might have been the moment of the month for me that was awesome uh the other one i wanted to talk about uh, dunk wise was uh jabari dunked with the left on both john collins and mike muscala oh, yeah, that was one nice of his, one of his first games back and this actually if we can learn anything here from the dunks this year is if you're a young player like learn how to dunk with your left uh that can really lead to a lot more highlights because people just aren't expecting you can just get a lot more dunks you have a lot more versatility to your dunks okay uh best win of the month i try to go with things that affect the way i think about a team and for me even though it has changed a little bit in hindsight 
right? Oklahoma City beating the Warriors that second time. They won 125-105, completely outclassed them. That was the game when Russell Westbrook had 21 in the first quarter. And I don't know when he turned his ankle, but at some point turned his ankle. We did this game for the Twitter NBA show. I was blown away with how good the Thunder looked in that game. My honorable mentions were Houston just killing the Cavs in Cleveland, even though Cleveland isn't, you know, isn't and wasn't their best form then. And the Warriors then getting revenge and having that that win over Oklahoma City. Yeah, that OKC at Warriors was a pretty damn good win. Uh, although for OKC, you wonder why they can't play that well in some of these other games. Uh, for me, though, uh, my number one was the Clippers beating the Nuggets in the Boban game. They were just totally out of it, like down like 17 or 18 middle way through the third uh, in the mile high altitude. They bring in Boban and he and Montrez Harrell, uh, Ty Wallace, like just bring them back. Uh, they end up winning that game against the Nuggets. My honorable mention was the Blazers going into Utah, who had won 11 straight and just beating the tar out of them, completely shutting them down 100 to 81 the first game after the All Star break. Uh, and uh, there'll be some good ones already for next month, too. I mean, that Blazers win at the Lakers last night was awesome just because of like that Lillard performance. Uh, the Lakers overcoming a 10 point deficit against the Spurs a little bit earlier was pretty good, too. Those will be in consideration for next month. Uh, worst loss. I watched a fair portion of this game, so I feel comfortable putting it. Cleveland led Orlando in Orlando by, I think it was 17 points at halftime. Then they were yeah, outscored. They led by 21 in the third quarter, I believe. Yeah. They, uh, they, maybe they were... it wasn't in the third quarter. It might have been earlier, but yeah, it was incredible. Then they were outscored 41-22 in the third and 24-9 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they only had five points in the first nine minutes of the fourth. Uh, this was on February 6th. Uh, ended up losing by 20. That's it for me as well, really. Uh, nothing else came to mind. That was just just awful. Well, the other two, just in terms of a team clarifying the position, was Boston. They got blown out by the Cavs, and then I think it was shortly thereafter, got blown out by the Raptors. Into I can't remember if the Raptors game was Yeah, those, those were two pretty ugly games, too, when you're trying to, against your chief competition. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are good ones. Yeah, so I had that as because it was like, oh yeah, okay, t- Boston is the set, they're the second best regular season team in, in the East. They're not the number one, and so that was that was clarifying as you said this was a, a short month as it was for and that was affected best dunk there were an inordinate number of spectacular games like this I, also partially i think because i kept better track during the month itself but yeah the the best games i mean i'll go through some of the some of the candidates Cavs wolves that was just an absolute blockbuster of an offensive game lebron ends up winning it on that shot that was poorly defended by the timberwolves pelicans heat pelicans bucks bucks raptors all three of those games later in the month all three went to overtime and were pretty memorable and then the one you mentioned before with the clippers and the nuggets and then do you want me to say my game of the, my game of the month now or do you want to do you want to wait until you say yours? uh no go ahead nuggets thunder for me that was the one when gary harris yeah. hit that game winning three and part of the reason i liked that game so much was because a lot of guys had really good performances Jokic had that triple double 29 13 and 14 paul george went for 43 jamal murray had 33 and the shot at the end was spectacular and so i enjoyed that game the whole way through i thought a lot of guys played well and then the last shot was just ridiculous for me it was that minnesota at cleveland game uh an nba record 43 pointers were made in that game uh, i didn't get the final total but at one point in the overtime there had been 33 lead changes and 15 ties lebron james hit some monster threes at the end of regulation uh, and at ot even make it close and then of course that last shot by lebron after lebron came in and blocked the first shot of the game for either team just sends butler shit in the stand which led to a hilarious moment 
when Butler was like, oh yeah, that's uh, when I saw him coming, I just threw it up there so he could block it. Like someone asked him about like what he was thinking on the play or something, some dumb question like that. And then uh, obviously that was the one where they threw the ball to James at the free throw line and he hit the fadeaway on Butler from the backcourt after they had screwed up and couldn't advance the ball because J.R. Smith just started dribbling uh, after that LeBron block, I, I think it was. But uh, to run that play, that was pretty awesome. And then th- that huge game winner, I mean, that's probably going to be the best game winner that we have uh, this season. But OKC at Denver certainly was uh, was right up there as well. Um, all right, we're almost done here. January monthly trend that will continue. I predicted that Oklahoma City would not finish the year in the top five on defense and would continue to get a lot worse without Robertson. Uh, they are now 10th overall for the season, and they have the 23rd ranked defense since February 1st per uh, cleaning the glass. So that uh, I can chalk that one up in my ledger. You can. I cannot chalk mine up the same way. I said Minnesota would still take the most mid-range shots per game. They were 24.4 per game in January. They're seventh most, which is still plenty. I mean, they're 20 per game. But number one was the Knicks at about the same level the Wolves were at before. So I got that wrong. The trend that I said was an aberration. The Golden State Warriors were 27th in defensive rating per cleaning the glass in January. They were fifth in February. I had to use the media site because cleaning the glass was down that morning. But they were still, you know, they were much, much better than that. So that one, I will say I got correct. Yeah, I think we all knew they would get a, a little bit better. It would be interesting to see where their D is going forward. Uh, my trend that was an aberration was Orlando being absolutely terrible. They were 3-11 and uh, in the month of January, but they're only 23rd in net rating. I mean, and at one point, I think they had lost like, you know, 30 out of 35 or 29 out of 35 or something. And since February 1st, negative 3.5 net rating, that's 21st in the NBA. Uh, that is the best of any of those uh, tanking teams uh, as well. Uh, so they've actually been like semi-legitimate uh, and I think actually trading Alfred Payton, you can argue has helped them because they're essentially even on the year when Payton is not on the floor. Again, there could be a lot of luck involved there. They've also just gotten healthier with Aaron Gordon returning, Vucevic returning, John Isaac returning. So I, I expect them to continue to play way better than would suit them uh, as they did last year down the end of the year. My trend that will continue for the month of, well, for the rest of the season, because we're not going to do this again until the end of the season. Memphis being the league's worst offense, they their offensive oh, rating God. for February, 93.5. I don't think they'll be that bad. That's not what I'm predicting. I'm just yeah. predicting they'll be the worst that, in the league. That's like as bad as the Sixers were in some of those tanking years, and that was in a, a much lower offense environment back then. I mean, that is just truly horrendous. And, and I mean, especially if Tyreek Evans misses time, I mean, they've got like Harrison and Chalmers are, are injured now too. I mean, who may, knows how many more games Gasol is going to rest? Like, yeah, it could get real ugly. Mine was the Spurs continuing to be, you know, around 500 uh, until Kawhi Leonard gets back there at a 0.3 net rating since February 1st. Although uh, their clutch luck, which had been awesome, uh, has really turned against them. They've won 2.6 games fewer than expected based on their point differential since February 1st. I mean, I don't think they're going to continue to have a losing record necessarily, but they're going to really be struggling to scrape out some wins, especially if they can't get Aldridge going again after this ankle sprain. Then my trend that I believe is an aberration. Uh, The Lakers have a plus 6.4 net rating since February 1st. I don't see that continuing. I think they'll play around 500 or so ball the rest of the year, especially because while I don't think Ingram has been that awesome of a player this year, they have no other threes on the team. And so it's just really hard to win games when you don't have anybody who's really like an NBA (laughs) wing player. And Josh Hart is out too. Yeah, and they will benefit a little bit from playing some of these teams as they have in the recent past who aren't trying at nearly as hard as they are. Like they're playing Orlando on Wednesday, so that that will help them. But they don't have, I don't think they have a 
ton of those games left. They have a few. My trend that is an aberration, and this is again more of a degree thing. Houston had the second lowest turnover rate in the entire NBA in February. And while they have been low this season, partially due to playing a lot more isolation, you don't turn the ball over much when you're in isolation. I th- I just think that being below 12% is, I don't expect that to continue for the rest of the season. And that will hurt their defense a little bit if they ter- have the turnover rate a little bit higher. I, th- I still think they're going to have a fabulous end of the season, but I want to keep an eye on that number. And that's part of the reason I chose it. All right, that'll do it for today. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. going to have uh, a brand new guest on tomorrow is the hope. So we'll talk to y'all at that point. Till then. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.